Welcome to the Feral Minds Podcast. You are right where you need to be, and we are glad you're here. Come seek with us as we laugh at what we have known and find direction from what our curiosities demand we learn. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to the Feral Minds Podcast. Today, we're coming to you live, I suppose. This is getting recorded right now. It wasn't pre-recorded. But by we the time live, it gets bro. out, it's going to be a pre-recorded session. feels real live right now, though, especially when you're first time in your own studio. I don't know if I've ever done any significant work under the lights, if you will. Of course, We're, it's hard to call this significant work either because we've got lights, no camera, and just a little bit of action. This is kind of like dressing up for prom a couple days before prom and just dancing around in the mirror. We, we are sitting in a set now that you will not be able to see because, quite frankly, the video has whooped our butt. We are on video package, what, three? Well, the next one will be four. Like, I'm in the process of returning our third set of cameras. Which was not the charm. Wasn't the charm. And now we're on to number four. But we're building something here. And there is a humility that comes along with building something. And you and I have decided to do this largely on our own. And that involves stumbling. And we've been stumbling. Yeah, down, the down humility about 10 is flights of stairs. We've been a stumbling with the video. We have the audio captured now. That's why you're able to listen to us in our own studio. First recording in our own studio. We used to record in a, in a space that we rented. Um, that, that space, previously, uh, in the middle of a beautiful Bitcoin mine. That yeah, we, we were so to, offended by Bitcoin, we had to get away could, from couldn't it. Couldn't do it anymore. I wanted to call it a beautiful Bitcoin mine, but it's not. It's not pretty. It's not the way you want your world to look. It's not something you want to drive through when you're trying to come in and create art. So here we found this uh, beautiful little spot right above the Guatemalan consulate. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> but it doesn't have video at the moment, but we're working our way through that. And everything you start always comes out the gate as a cluster. I'm yet to build anything in my life that wasn't cluster prone out the gate and uh, you can beat yourself up on that and you will you'll have moments where you're just your frustration is probably a better term than anger you're just frustrated that you can't find the correct sequence of events but at the same time you often you don't realize what you're learning along the way you're you're just running into these walls where you feel like this is another thing that's not going to work. Will this ever work? And eventually you'll have that breakthrough. But for us right now, we are in a studio designed to capture the beauty of, of our image. If of you the feral mind. Beauty. <laughs> but we're, we're trying to produce a show. And right now, video has been eluding us, so we're going back to our roots, which is recording audio. So It's something you mentioned I thought was kind of funny throughout the whole deal, the humility. You know, it, that's honestly, I think, throughout the thing we tried to avoid. And I believe in this creative process, humility is unavoidable. So initially, I believe we tried to swallow our humility. But we didn't even call our podcast coach. People we paid to tell us how to do this, that already have done this pre predecessors before us. And instead of calling them, you and I decided to go bang our head against the wall buying various cameras that we just Google up. Try this one. Nope, doesn't work. Send it back. And that brings a different kind of humility. At the jump, you try to avoid it by not asking for the help. I guess somehow that makes you a better person because you didn't ask for help. Well, it starts with hubris and it ends with humility. And there that, you go. That's how, we, that's how <laughs> we operate. But it's also how we operate when we take off to go find a new restaurant. We, we're not prone to taking advice. We're prone to experiencing what we think might be what we need and then reacting elsewhere. So it really, if you look at how we live, it's not that much different. Then an outcome is always going to be probably a little longer than we expect, but there will be a lesson somewhere in that outcome that makes us more self-sufficient. And when we first started this, we thought we were going to be not editing anything. We thought we were just going to cruise into a studio, record something, go home. And, and that's, that's not what you do with the show. You spend an incredible amount of time in editing. You spend a lot of time in setup. The smallest amount of time that you spend in an effort like what you and I are doing now is actually in recording the podcast. Yeah. It's, it's the smallest amount of what we do. Which is bizarre because you start out, that's your interest. And it's really, it is our, it's still our interest. Like this is where we want to be. We want to be on the mic. But to get to the mic, you have to do 
all these other things. And right now, it's just uh, no no other way to say it than it's it's been owning us. We we are completely owned at this moment by our ability to find a video that's um, that's equipped to do what we needed to do. Yeah, I gotta say, yesterday I did. I felt metaphorically beat down. Like I didn't want to make another effort or step in any direction. It just seemed like every direction I went was going wrong. I'm just gonna sit here and not move again. You know, metamor as it stands for buying new microphones or cameras for the podcast and in that helpless moment we finally got humble enough to uh to reach out to the perfect people to help yeah and i'm really enthusiastic about how our next week is gonna go now the only downside of that is i've been saying that for about four weeks and here we are without any progress but this time we finally got other experts involved we finally well, we've had experts involved. We just, we kind of, we don't, don't fully get experts involved. Right? We, we send a text to somebody who we know, you know, for me, I've been, been using people that are in my life that have knowledge around these topics, but we, we don't get consultants. Our consultation is always like, hey, man, what do you think about this? That's it. We're not, we're not hiring professionals. We're slowly, like, like it or not, as we humiliate ourselves here publicly, we are slowly becoming the professionals that we need to be for this process to work, and, and this is just part of it. It's, yeah. part, it's part of learning video. Experiential learners. That's I, it. I don't know how else to put it. That's what we're doing here. We yeah. could learn by research. We could be research learners. I think we could learn by inquiry. We could be curious learners. But instead, we decide to be experiential learners. Yeah. So as, as far as that experience, we've just been talking about how bad it is. Maybe we break it down. At first... We, we went into, and that was still so far our best endeavor, was our very first try for cameras. So the first time we got those three streaming cameras. Webcam style cameras. Webcam style right. that honestly did everything we needed. They I, were pretty slick. They picked up the sound well. They, you could easily edit them to where video went from a full shot to a face shot, yeah. whatever. You know, so the stuff we're trying to get going here, it did all of that except Zoom. So... Whenever you would try to put a face in a shot, it would just pixelate that face. It, it, I don't know what it was like a weird digital zoom on this camera. You could just shrink the frame, but you couldn't get any closer to it. It wasn't what we needed. These are cam- these were cameras that chased people. Yeah, and we're not moving, not much at least. So that that camera effort failed. We tried two others. Well, the uh, one after that, the next theory was all right. Let's go get the cheapest we can that just seem like they're going to do the job. Yeah. And, and so you go out and find some $80 camcorders, which is kind of funny to think. You see you see in the generation how much prices change on equipment. Electronic equipment is the funniest thing. But nonetheless, this day and age, you can buy a video recording camcorder, a handheld one, for about $80. So it seemed appealing. Let's jump on that boat. I mean, why not? They're supposed to record in 1440K. I can't imagine how. The box seemed encouraging. <laughs> then we get back here, plug it in, and while the video looked fine, the sound going into it was just distorted, awful garbage. It, it, it sounded like you were being attacked by a demon through your ears. And that seems unpleasant for a podcast. We, we can appreciate the importance of how well we sound. So, And plus, there's just this guilt to buying the cheapest, I guess. It's like you have to try that route or you Not always store, wonder. Though. Like in the store, we were full of pride. We <laughs> thought that we had just breaking the, broken the matrix here by finding cheap stuff that was going to engineer. And, you know, the audio equipment hasn't been that expensive. So it also wasn't completely unfounded to believe that we could do something cheap because the audio equipment that we have here is not that expensive. But so we went cheap cameras <laughs> and that did not work out. It did not. Almost to the exact same result as the first ones. But then we end up. So luckily, though, I I'm not a, I'm not a Coronado burn your ship kind of guy. <laughs> when I go into almost any purchase, I like to make sure I can back out of it if I absolutely had to. So we have always had returnability, even on the third option. Which actually, I'm a little proud of this this foresight for how stupid we might be and need to send them back. Is the next venture we go eBay? So uh, this is hilarious. So w- we did reach out for help on this one. But in my mind, I kind of wanted to go a direction where nobody would know me. <laughs> so if they were embarrassed, uh, they wouldn't know who I was. So I Googled up just camera studio company or something like that. And uh, this is where we got 
a number for a local production company. And I thought, why not? Let's call them and see what happens. This was the most helpful group of individuals that I could have ever called out of the blue. I almost want to give them a shout on the show. Uh, 11th Hour Productions, I think it's called. Yep. 11th Hour Studio, something like that. Based out of Oklahoma. I don't know what their products come out like, but I can tell you the people are fantastic. And they gave me all the information that I asked for. And one of the things I asked was what we could do to shoot some video. What kind of camera could we get? And they mentioned this one. They said, this shoots real well. You could shoot a commercial with it. And so when I hear you can shoot a commercial with it, I'm thinking, all right, we're shooting action. We're editing. We're putting sound into it. I'm like, well, heck, if he shot a commercial with this camera, I could... I could definitely shoot what I'm trying to do a YouTube channel I like the with. idea that, like, you've never shot a commercial. You have no idea what's going into it. But it sounds like, well, that's something somebody would pay money for. Yeah. Well, so it's yeah. got to work for us. I, I, it's it's a whole lot of <laughs> just wishful thinking. So I go out, and uh, these are cameras that we're not going to be able to afford. And we, you couldn't even buy them new right now. Uh, we actually went back to, uh, they're about 10 years old. Find some on eBay. Buy three of these things, roughly one fifty to one hundred eighty bucks a piece for a ten-year-old DSLR style camera, and get it in the studio. And first off, we deal with the battery problem a little bit, but I don't think too much about it. it but they are really, um, oh, not they're real persistent on making sure they shut themselves off. And I had even thought, like, this is a little weird. If you're doing video, why would you want this thing going off every fifteen minutes? Well, after a what, maybe a day, day and a half of banging our head against the wall to get those cameras rolling, we finally figure out that when you're recording video, you don't get more than 12 minutes. You only get 12 minutes of video out of the camera. Which means you could shoot about four commercials. Yeah, which is back to the guys. I, to <laughs> his credit, he, gave, there was he did say, uh, I just never asked, oh yeah, how long is that commercial? You're not shooting any hour and a half hour infomercials. See, yeah. that's what we need. We need the kind of cameras you can shoot an infomercial with. We don't need much. That's what's so tricky about this. We don't need much. We're not moving. And we just uh, we haven't hit the sweet spot yet. So No, we're not moving. But that's something else I thought, man, with this studio, I might want to get myself, now that we got our own room, we can do what we want. I've thought about it. A hands-free mic. Strap that thing onto my head and just go around bouncing off the walls as I think of stuff to say. <laughs> Can't wait to see that happen. That's one thing I've noticed since you've been building this set is you seem to have a nuclear core, an unlimited amount of energy. Is, is this something that's come to you later in life? Have you always been this way? Where, where does the energy come from? Uh, yes, to answer your question, it's, it's something I've never struggled with. I've always had a whole lot of, I'm ready to go. I want to, I want to get something done. You know, you ever, you ever see uh, some of those people that just look like they're spring-loaded? I was, I was joking my wife the other day. I said, anytime I start hearing the word do come out like a question, like do you, I've already got a yes <laughs> loaded up in the barrel, ready to shoot. I'm, I've always been that person who's ready to, to, to go. To, to, to go release do the energy. To energy or to explore. You know, I believe that this is a, a personality trait that in the past has helped advance mankind quite a bit. But our day and age we're looking at now, we want to frown upon this industrious go sort of behavior. Learn, do, experiment. I'd spent a lot of time as a kid just running around free, getting into problems and learning new things. I don't know how many other people did this, um, but I played outside as a youth. I think many Gen X people did. There was this joy of going to my grandma's house. Um, outside of Woodward, that I just don't know what I would have done without this kind of a childhood. I needed this sort of a grounds to go out and run around. You know, my grandma did one of the smartest thing you ever could. She uh, she bought me a, a lawnmower and told me that was mine. <laughs> and so congratulations! <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, I've got my own lawnmower. You can I better start mowing a week. <laughs> yeah, I do, man. I'd go go run around on that lawnmower. Um, there was a so grandma felt the energy at an early age. She, did she feel the need to, to trap the energy in something <laughs> that would be productive? I, I, she, she would try to keep me busy, that's for sure. I look back, there was, there was always something to do at grandma's house. Yeah, grandma's house is a real, it's a real fun place as a kid. And Fun-o- it's got so many layers of life to it from 
living rooms to bathroom. If you get in a grandma's bathroom, there's some scary things going on in there that that will all of a sudden awaken you to your mortality. You'll you'll see that set of teeth in in a glass jar and go like, oh wait a minute. At some point in time, my teeth are going to be right next to my uh, toothbrush waiting for me in the morning. It was scary for me. My my grandma's bathroom, like I, you wanted to go in there, but there was always apparatus that involved deca- decomposition of their biology. There was it was curious. Yeah, curiosity, I think, would be a good way to put it. You could look at that and be it's easy to be scared at a grandma's bathroom. The missing teeth, uh, man, some of the little weird shaped containers you don't understand but i see you could be afraid of them or you can have some fun i i would go i I remember going into grandma's bathroom it was like a new set of toys whenever you would play taking a bath at grandma's house yeah it wasn't just your usual shampoo container that became your submarine slash battleship there were some different things to play around i remember one one of my favorites i take a bath at my grandma's she had this uh this little bag that you could fill up with water I'm a little red square bag. You can fill this like up. a water heater bag? Yeah, or what? Something like that. It looked a little okay. like that. It had a tube coming off of it, though. Uh, and then oh, on the end oh, of it, you had these little holes. So this bag has purpose. It, well, for me, it was a toy. You yeah, could okay. just you squeeze the bag. You could shoot water out of it. Right, you know, right, you're, just, right. you're just enjoying yourself with this little red so bag you're, you're with, thinking, with a tube does, coming off of it. Why does Grandma have a squirt gun? In her bathroom. I honestly didn't even think of it as hers. There were so many things at my grandma's house that were just there for me to be my toy. Okay. I did not look at this thing as anything else but a little water toy in the bathroom. It was quite a bit later in life that I realized that at the age of about seven, eight, nine years old that I'd been spending bath time just playing with my grandma's douchebag. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, you might have figured that out on the way. I don't know. I you couldn't tell if you had the recognition you had... or not. <laughs> because... <laughs> Yeah, the the orange or the yeah that orange weird looking square. Like you said, like a heat bladder. I thought maybe you were on the right track, but that's that was one of the things I used to. I was really thinking more like Grandma was doing some colonic work. But what you were telling me (laughs) is you were in there making a toy out of a device that was helping your grandma in in a certain place be her best. Yeah, yeah. Either either one of those options you've come up with were not anything you'd want to stick in your mouth and shoot water out. Why why does this water toy taste like the essence of grandma? I don't know if I, don't I knew understand that it. that's what it I can taste like. my lineage on this water <laughs> no. toy. No, I did. I don't even I'm almost I don't even want to What's so funny is grandma didn't even bother to like disassemble it or get it out of your way. Just right, like, it's like fiddle with it. Well, it's clean, right? <laughs> Some little turd wants to play with my douchebag, I guess I'll let him. He'll learn one way or another. Yeah, I mean, well, anybody's grandparents, like we all know, they're they're a different breed. Every generation changes quite a bit. Yeah, um, they they have different things that are acceptable, different things that aren't. It's 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 something you you'll learn through growing up as you go from one generation. We've gone from being the generation of youth to the generation in the middle. I guess one of these days we'll be the generation on the way out. Yeah, eventually we'll have some apparatus tripping up a seven-year-old in our bathroom. But I think it is funny because when you go to your grandparents' house, you have a chance to go into a time capsule. So even even in our life, you're still tripping back into things that were from another era. And then you also have modern things that are built to sustain an older era in, in the toupees and, and the dentures and all the knee brace apparatus, all these things that are needed as you get into those later years in life that you don't see your parents needing. You know, these are all new puzzles to you as a child when mom and dad are in relatively good health and, and grandparents are, are facing those latter years where you need a little bit a little bit more support. You know, the one that always puzzled me, Matt, was that, that double-decker toilet seat that looked like it could go anywhere. It was the plastic seat that sometimes you would see it in the shower. Sometimes I think sometimes I think they just stacked it like literally like a second story apartment for the toilet. Yeah. That one always confused me. I would see it in the shower, I would see it over the toilet, but it was always like when you go to this bathroom, you really need to account for where is the plumbing under all the apparatus. And do I even want to go into that bathroom, let alone I touch or run into something I really don't want to see? Don't want to see or don't want to stick in your mouth? Yeah, well, that's fair. <laughs> you don't want that's to. fair. I never even thought of, of jamming my grandpa's toupee in my mouth. But I guess it was an option. 
There's nothing. There's nothing greater than seeing those little stella, those little styrofoam heads, and the styrofoam heads that are meant to hold the little squirrel pelt, mm-hmm. right? And you're just like you're looking at this, going, oh, well, I guess it's got to keep its form when it comes off. Toupee is a strange say, space. When toupee a man is commits something to I hope. Toupee, I, I really like to think the toupee is gone with the baby boomer generation. I, I, but I think it's I also think choices. our generation's gotten more okay with with not being able to grow hair on your head. Well, that's the life you and I are living. But I, I don't think it was it wasn't quite as acceptable or acceptable at all in that generation not to have hair. I just think you became somebody that was lesser. So an option, and I know for my grandpa, he didn't have hair, and then all of a sudden he got hair. But the majority of my life, I knew him with hair. And and it was a good enough set that I, I never could tell. I mean, he would take it in the lake. And I don't know if he had the otter model. I don't know how he would wear <laughs> that bad boy into the lake. But I remember him being in the lake floating around. And, um, you know, I mean, the, no the way piece would stay on his head. Right. He was staying, staying neck he down probably. He would water ski, man. He wow. would water ski with that bad boy on. Well, if toupees were that good, maybe it ain't time to get rid well, of them. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, maybe it was snapping on his head. I don't know. <laughs> like, the ones I see, I'm like, man, that thing couldn't look more artificial if it had a chin strap on it. When, which is fine, as long as the person wearing it realizes you're just wearing a hair hat. Yeah. Nobody exactly really thinks you grew what, what what's Yeah, everybody's aware of what you've done. I, when I see somebody with a toupee today, I just want to give them a hug. Like, I just want to – because I know the emotions – of having to go through that that terminality. Like, when you lose your hair, it's it's the death of a member of your body. And so some people don't deal with that quite that well. And and so I, when I see a bad rug, and I think like you said, you don't see a lot of 35, 40-year-old males walking around with rugs. That, that piece is kind of leaving. You still see some hair plugs or the occasional male that tattoos a hairline. I always think that's, oh, a, that's yeah. a very interesting play. Yeah, it's, it, it's getting better. As far as, I don't know, the, the, the regular thoughts around hair loss. Yeah. And that's not the only thing. I, I wanted to touch on something here as we're, we're, we're kind of speaking on this about the differences between the generations. It's something I do get really tired of people saying is that these kids these days aren't as good as when we were kids. I, I sort of started off talking about how I'd, I would go out and play outside and a lot of these kids these days to get chastised for not doing it. And so all of a sudden they think that this generation isn't going to be as good. Well, we're, yeah, and we're a sitting society. Like mm-hmm. that's what we do now. In, and so in general, we sit. Yeah, our activity level has changed. I, I don't deny that one bit. Our our engagement with outdoors, uh, you see a change in that with our youth. That that's no doubt. There the, are the, differences in the generation and what their interests are based on what society's doing at that time. But I think it's very important that we don't ever start thinking that our kids aren't going to be as good as us. This is our job, I believe, as human living stewards of this planet to do the best we can with our lives, procreate, and then teach our offspring to do as well as they can. And if we've done our job well, then the generation coming up is only going to get better. That's what has happened throughout time. I, I, I just know right away, anytime you hear someone complain about youth, that it reminds me of the Bob Dylan song about times are changing. You better learn how to swim or you're going to sink like a stone. <laughs> so, and we need to, to start realizing that and embracing what this youth, what the new generations are going to have to offer. Because I can only tell you, especially as we're thinking about my grandma, life's gotten better. I mean, my grandma, whenever she went to the dentist at the age of 14, was prescribed cigarettes. Oh, for what? It's a toothache, you know, because you go in with a, with a dental toothache. And it, and this is a time whenever the medical profession, well, I don't know if it's ever gotten any better. They always seem to be willing to jump onto whatever new thing they can diagnose people with and make money. We'll get to that different. But for whatever his logic at the time, tells my grandma, no filter, no filter palm oil cigarettes or, or what you need to get past this little oral issue that you've got with your teeth well how old was she at the time 14 is what she told 14 yeah so from the age of 14 until the day she died she smoked wow. cigarettes and most of that was no filter palm oil cigarettes but it all started with a medical professional with a medical professional yeah, yeah. this yeah. is this is what a generation a couple back was getting told yeah and 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 believing it and following those advice and we will always, any generation, have the choice within each individual to follow good advice or to follow bad advice. Yeah. 
the thing we have as adults, as the generation that's a that's not in the youthful phase, is to make those choices a lot easier for them, as opposed to more difficult. Well, and you're fighting the influence of now, and, and so marketing's so powerful with doctors, and and we've seen this in the pharmaceutical industry in recent years, is there is such a hard push in marketing, in the in the early 1900s when cigarettes were relatively new on the scene, and Cigarette manufacturers were starting to get pushback on sore throats, on coughs. They did a real quick marketing work and started making their cigarettes better. And then they started advertising in in journals of medicine. And there was no stop for that. And so if you're reading in journals of medicine and you're, you're your average doctor, and all of a sudden there are all these endorsements from people that are playing doctors in a journal of medicine, that is slowly just going to start leaking through the medical profession as something that may be in the interest of their patients. And somebody's going to have to fight that now. You've got a, an organization with the ability to purchase the outlet to spread their message into medical professionals. And again, they're reading this journal to, to understand what is the latest and new. That's how we understand how things process. And in the midst of this, you have actors that are smoking cigarettes and talking about the benefits of asthma and, and scratchy throats can be solved by cigarettes. And you just step back and go, wow, there's always an opportunity. in there's the plight of now. And it's very difficult to be able to think above and beyond the cultural norms of now. And if, if the cigarettes were of the time, then at that time there was going to be an opportunity with all the power and all the money that was developed through cigarettes to turn that against any type of pushback that was coming from society, which was, hey, these are starting to make us feel a little sick. And then the cigarette companies are like, well, well, wait a minute, you guys are miscalculating this. Let us spin this into a medical cause, and you'll understand why it's good for you. And I think there is that candor. And if you go back to the idea of young children today in a sitting society, young children with a lot of energy and yourself with a lot of energy today, there's a high chance that you would get medicated. Oh, God, yeah, you get diagnosed with something. You would get, you would get labeled as this kid has too much energy because society is now moved into a sedentary position. And we can't, we can't stop this kid from moving, so now maybe we should medicate him. And I, I wonder, you know, I'm, clearly I'm not a medical professional, but again, in the onus of this conversation, we're talking about places where things have been diagnosed as something that they weren't. And then when you talk about the energy to create, the energy to explore, all these things require energy. And in youth that energy shows itself full throat. And as we're seeing youth come out of our energy, and it's not matching the sedentary interest or the sedent- the desire of society for a child to be sedentary, what do we start doing? We start trying to get the child within the walls of the society and what society wants, which is somebody to stop moving so much. And that's what youth needs, though. That is, each child within themselves knows what they need to explore and expand upon. And if we allow them to do that, I think that they're going to grow into more productive, healthy, contributing citizens in this world. It's almost like, though, we look at youth and try to get them to contribute as little as possible. This Throughout is, time, the people who don't understand youth or they've gotten too old to want to embrace change, because that's also what youth represents a lot. But so it's you, change, and those older people are afraid of Yeah, and, and so, but the older generations didn't used to have the ability to slow down or stop the energy of the youth. They didn't have that. Either you couldn't give them a screen or a pill, right? And so if... You just could. So you could control youth through threat and through the attempt to physically confine them. Discipline. Yeah. But you weren't controlling them through something they ingested, and you also weren't controlling them by captivating them to a screen. And so those two things where older generations didn't have the ability to slow down the youth, all of a sudden now they can slow down the youth. And so the explorers of tomorrow 
the, the kids that need to be out there just from an anthropologic perspective. Some of us have got to be exploring. Some of us have got to be creating. It's the mix of humans. Experientially that are, learning. That we are, yeah, that we are splattered on this earth with you. You were built to go explore. And so when we start pulling that energy out, that energy and that desire to find and press limitations and boundaries, then who's going to do that work? Who's going to do that work? Like, do we forge ahead as one lethargic blob? We're going to all explore the world from the comfort of our seat? All of us? I mean, that's just a scary thought for me, that we're going to pull energy out of the world. And clearly, we're generalizing this, and we're not, we're not medical professionals. And if you're, if you're listening to – if you're trying to come to us for medical advice, man, that's like – that's that's problem number one through ninety nine. Right? Yeah, it's like, definitely a broad stroking of these medical are, knowledge. These are opinions and observations that that we look at through the life that we've led, and also through what we're observing around us in society. And I hope we're not medicating the energy out of our youth. And I, I think that's the essence of what I'm saying. I hope there is an eight year old somewhere out there that's got enough energy and curiosity to put his grandma's douchebag in his mouth. And I hope, I hope they have that's an ad- still there. And I hope they have an adult around them with enough creativity, personal self-awareness to allow that child to be youthful. What if the adults don't have any energy though? <sighs> that's a very good question. What if that's the, I mean, what what if if that's they, the problem? So wait a minute, so here, they then they could get do- diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome. Oh, what's yeah, that? That's a new one. That, a lot of these symptoms that you hear, like whenever you're trying to watch anything on TV and then there's a new pill for a new <laughs> diagnosis that you didn't even know existed, like that's one thing where the medical industry will keep putting out oh, new mistakes. Like You can look back the medical industry all the way back to when they used to bleed people. <laughs> you used to, they used to let out blood to think that was going to make them healthier. We're talking here. They used to assign cigarettes or suggest cigarettes to make people healthier. They don't have everything in the human condition figured out. Like, and not anybody in the medical industry who does say they have it all figured out, they're lying. There's going to be something they're wrong about at all times. And I think that we need to go into any medical advice with that in the back of your mind. Yes, give them credit for how much they have figured out over the years and that we still don't let blood out of people or we don't assign speed to try to reduce weight loss. Or maybe they do still do that. Again, we're not medical professionals. I'm waiting to see. I'm waiting to see this chronic fatigue syndrome. I think they're going to come out with some really good new prescription speed to start giving to adults. And we'll see maybe if that keeps them up with the kids. I don't know. My point here is I'm trying to show how confusing it can be in life if your answer is to medicate this. Oh, wait, well, this diagnosis we deem is unacceptable. Let's medicate that. Well, this guy sits too much. Let's medicate that. This guy moves around too much. Let's medicate that. At some point, we got to realize medications are not the answer. Yeah. And you're, you're buying them from huge marketing machines. So the medical industry didn't used to be a big selling machine. And it's a selling machine now. I and would you, venture to say half the commercials I see, I don't watch that much TV, but particularly if you watch a sporting event, it is half the commercials are going to be about some new prescription. And then you'll notice it when we're in the gym. That's one of the things I, I always try to go in there and turn every TV off I can. But it's a battle because people just feel like they have to turn them on. Yeah. But you're just in there watching daytime TV. I see as many ads come up for prescriptions as as you do watching the show. <laughs> and they're, they're, they're so tired. They're just they're so bad. They're like watching – you remember USA Up All Night, those late cheesy movies where the actors were bad and the oh, budgets yeah. were low. And, and so One of my favorite. The yeah. budgets aren't low, right? And, and they're making these ads where people are starring in their own musicals and 30 or 40 people are, are dancing in the background. And it looks like, it literally looks like a New Year's Eve parade is being thrown from somebody who just overcame dry skin. <laughs> no, well, this one, I and think you're watching this and you're going, man, they are. This is so over the top. Like if a laugh track was always needed to make you laugh at really half ass jokes in sitcoms, then this is a hyped up laugh track or this is a laugh track chart over the moon. 
in that we've got people that are dancing and singing and parades of actors. It literally looks like somebody just threw a party and invited, I don't know, a set of 100-plus people, choreographed the event, and, and now all this to get the dry skin off your elbows. It's, it's amazing to me how over-the-top it is, and it's not it, – it, it's it, and there's no – there's no ethical discretion in it. I mean, you're literally showing somebody a Lamborghini of a life if they will only go to the doctor and talk that doctor into giving them the pill they can get the Lamborghini of the life, and it's all evident in this poorly put-together musical. It, it just amazes me that the ads don't have to be good. The ads just have to saturate, and that's what I take from that, is this stuff doesn't have to be good. They just have to show it to you a lot, and eventually you'll believe it. You'll start thinking that way. What you stare at on that screen and the information they put into your head is what starts controlling your thoughts. And these commercials, you're right, they're, they're bad. That one you're talking, I saw one, it was, and I'm going to keep going on this one because I, there is no reason to medicate your child for their energetic behavior. But the one I saw, and it shows these children in dark settings, and they're behaving badly, they're they're jumping up and down or they're wiggling too much and then it shows what they look like after they've taken this and it's bright and they're sitting there with their hair cut and they're raising their hand in class and it was just like you said laughable like who is watching this and if you really put any thought to it believing that oh my kid is terrible now but when I give him this drug my kid will now act good it's it's they, that's what they're trying to sell you. Yeah. They they are just trying to t- to basically medicate bad parenting. Well, <laughs> is the way I see it. And I will, I'll put it out there. I know that. And we talked about this when we got on the show. There's going to be some some feathers to get ruffled whenever you start dogging on ADHD medication, and it's gotten to where even they give it to adults. I know of adults right now that would that happily go in and will proclaim their disabilities so that they can get prescribed this thing that's going to give them the energy and everything else they need to be a real adult in this world. There's no pill that's going to get you there. No, no pill. It's, it's a it nice up. thought, though. It's a nice idea that, that when you talk about an ADHD commercial, they're marketing that to the, the parent. And they're, they're telling the parent... No, you won't get those calls from the school anymore. You, your, your kid is going to now be an A or a B student. And, and all the struggle that you've had, this is necessary for a kid's development. We all struggle at some point in time. You can remove that from your life with this prescription. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes a decision not made by the child. It's a decision that's made by the parent. And then we, we step back and ask the question, well, who, who, who gains from this? We're knocking the kid's energy down. And, and to everybody else's defense here, you and I don't understand all the children that are out there. We just came from a place where children weren't medicated, and now all of a sudden they are. And it happens to coincide with a, a, an existence where the world is sitting a lot more than it used to, and the world is staring at things and being entertained by those things. And so the moment that those things go off – and we don't have constant entertainment, we can't handle the boredom, and we start looking for it, and we start twitching for it. And who knows if the tablets and the screens aren't creating exactly what's causing this problem. We won't know. Yeah, It's not going to be something we're going to be able to separate from ourselves. You talk to parents today, I'm struggling with this right now, with my 13-year-old. It's, can I get her off of a screen without making her a social albatross. And I don't know the answer to that, and that's that's a crux I'm starting at. Because I, I see a lot of bad behavior that comes from the screens that are around her, um, but I see them in everybody else's hands, and she tells me they're required for her social development. And I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm having to make big boy parenting decisions in this moment and going, what what is the cause and what is the actual effect here? Uh, because there's a lot of moving parts but it all centers around their inability to focus. And it all centers around this twitchy behavior that seems to have come into society. And then when the twitchy behavior won't stop, when we turn the screen off and they still want to keep moving, they want to be fed and entertained the way the screen was entertaining them, then they have a problem. And, um, and we try to medicate that problem. Instead of looking at the real source of it. As you were talking through that, I was reminded of one of the things, it's the same concept, but just done from a food level. 
there's one of those pills that we saw some of the commercials for that treats all the symptoms of diabetes. Now, of course, you might have an infected perineum, but nonetheless, you're 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 and di- suicidal thoughts. <laughs> yeah, suicidal thoughts. It's, the, it's and it's the undertone of stuff like that. The the hey, listen to this musical that you could be living every Tuesday morning, and then whispering in that voice. If you have suicidal thoughts, whoa, what? <laughs> yeah. I might want to kill myself? Come on, man. This is the best party I've ever had in my life. My life has never looked like this. Why would I want to kill myself? Yeah, because here's what it's going to do for you. It's going to relieve your diabetes symptoms without you ever having to stop eating all the stuff that ever gave you the diabetes. And that's my point here. Like like you're talking about, they're trying to medicate the behavior that comes after staring at screens too much. Let's not stare at screens too much. They're trying to medicate being overweight and not moving instead of telling people eat right and be active. Just use this body in the way it was meant to be used. Put the materials in it that were meant to be put into it. And believe me, all of a sudden, this stuff that they've diagnosed and medicated, it all goes away. Because in the end, that's all they're doing here. They're diagnosing symptoms. And I I want to step back to this one, too. There is no such thing as chronic fatigue syndrome. <laughs> there is nothing that is chronic and can't be corrected within you, especially when it comes to an energy level. Now, I will admit that there are people who naturally have higher levels of energy and some naturally have lower levels of energy. There's a spectrum of expression to a whole lot of personality traits in this life. We want to make sure we're looking very closely at anything that starts judging one end of the spectrum, bad or good, and trying to force everybody into the middle of the spectrum. That's conformity. That's trying to put everybody into a box of energetic level. You can't be outside of this box. You either have to have this much or not enough. And that's where we need to start looking at acceptance and understanding where there's a difference between a personality and a syndrome. Yeah, I grew up pond fishing, and and when you you're pond fishing, it's kind of a trick because you you, you don't have to find the fish too hard, and the fish are usually a little desperate because the ecosystem's a little underworked, and and so you would take a you would like take August pond fishing. You're, yeah, you're real good. You're just like, hey, <laughs> bite on this piece of plastic. I know you're dying. Bite on this piece of plastic. So you find a um, a pond and and you throw a lure out, and and the lure doesn't work. And you reel the lure in, and you swap it out, and you throw another lure out. And, and you keep doing that until you get a fish on the line. And whether it's chronic fatigue or you have too much energy or too much appetite. Your diet, Not enough appetite, the diet that created the problem, the behavioral issue that you won't have, because that's really what we're talking about. It's a lot easier to medicate behavioral issues than to change the behavior that created the issue to begin with. And, and that's what a sedentary society does. They look for things that keep them in their state. If your state is, I am living in an existence where I don't like movement, I don't value movement. In fact, now I've, I've kind of pushed myself into a place where I don't, I don't really want to have to move. Then a behavioral change that involves movement is undesirable. And so if I can continue to not move and consume a pill for the, the, the problem or this symptom that's being created by my lack of movement, that will keep me in a sedentary state. Why wouldn't I do that? And, and at some point in time, that's a choice you make, right? And, and, and that will have an outcome for you years down the road, if not now. But there's a lot of solution in becoming active again. And yeah, it, it's, it's out there for everybody. It's out there forever. If you haven't moved in a in a uh, in a fitness self health manner in twenty thirty years, it doesn't mean you can't start tomorrow. There are ways to slowly engage activity and bringing it back it into your life instead of just the next script. Yeah, that's what people don't want to don't want to evaluate. They don't want to evaluate their choices. You don't want to put any blame as to your impact and where you're at it's 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 very comforting to try to think it was something outside of me that caused this condition you know i've talked to people who maybe don't feel like they work out enough or would like to have more activity and their, their reasoning is usually they don't have enough time work gets in the way or um whatever sort of activity you have with children it it 
it it's always going to be an excuse to 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 make a choice and you need to decide what mental construct you're bringing to your choices are you putting yourself into a victim mentality of i'm stuck here something outside of me put me here and therefore i can't get myself out of it or are you in the construct of everywhere i'm at i did this i chose this now is this the choice i want to keep making or in 20 years do i want to look like a product of different choices it i i I always will come back to this choice on on health um, because i've grown i've seen too much um, we were at a, a, an event on Thanksgiving, and there was this debate over whether a child looked more like um, this grandparent or that grandparent. And I got to thinking in my head, right now, that's fine. But in 20 years, that child's going to look like whatever choices they made. So if that grandparent that they look like now wasn't an alcoholic and this kid starts drinking... Down the road, they're going to look like the alcoholic grandparent. They're not going to look like the, the blonde-headed grandparent or whatever. It's just there. there is definitely factors that contribute to health, development, growth, and some of it comes from the outside. Some of it is conditioning that we're forced to put up with, as we're talking here. If I had been born right now, if I had been born into this generation of children, I would have been diagnosed, medicated, and had a whole different sort of existence. I wouldn't have come out. There's there is societal conditionings, but it's within not too me, late. you want me to show you a commercial that might make you want to change your mind. Man, it's a small pill, a couple times a day, <laughs> and you can you can be you can be happy with sitting still. I don't want suicidal thoughts, and I don't I don't. You don't want, want a bruised perineum? Uh, yeah, the uh, what is it? An infected perineum? Yeah, those are rough. <laughs> I, can't I, even, I, wonder, I like, don't even want to imagine what that comes off like. Is but, it uh, possible the infected perineum leads to the suicide? Maybe. I mean, maybe it's just these are stepping stones of consequence. I would love to see the reason for death, uh, infected parent. I, I don't want to. I, I shouldn't start that. What I would love. It certainly would be interesting we, uh, to see all, someone ever dying from an infected perineum caused by their skyrisia just because they were trying to get rid of a couple of red bumps on their elbow. Yeah. Like that honestly is the path that we're led to believe that you could go down. And this is what's being advertised and allowed to be sold to us. Advertised and, and successful. They're buying. They buy big spots. They buy Super Bowl spots. Like yeah, how bad did you? No lack of funding for these pharmaceutical commercials, and there's a reason for that. Is because they're out there selling. There's only two countries in the world where pharmaceutical companies are allowed to advertise on on television: the United States and New Zealand. And I don't know why those two are in cahoots, but everybody else has considered this to be morally unfit for society's benefit. They right. realize that you don't want to be um, trying to sell your populace and unhealthy. Ma- market, yeah, marketing <laughs> and health, like those are two things that really they don't have an interest in alignment in terms of if, if I am a marketer, yes, it is in my interest to market into a healthy or into a non-healthy demographic or a health space. But if I am a client or am a potential patient, I don't have that benefit. They're selling me things with suggestive thought that I may not gain from that pill. I most likely am having trouble with because of a behavioral issue. And it's not in my interest to consume influential marketing in respects to my health. And the rest of the world has already determined that, but not the United States and not not New Zealand for whatever reason. They've left it to the individual. And that's... Something that we do love about America. We are given the freedom to choose. You in America are given the freedom to choose what's going to give you a healthy existence, and it can also give you fentanyl (laughs) or whatever other negative existence you want to put. Like that's available to you here in the great United States of America. So, to an extent, you could look at it as we're all victims of a government that has allowed a medical industry to advertise to us and sell us diagnoses that never really existed and then medicate us for them that give us even worse (laughs) symptoms that we take more medication for. We could look at ourselves as victims and we can't break out of that. Or you could realize that, yeah, that is in front of me and I have the choice to ignore it, to not engage with it, 
And as a matter of fact, maybe if you're lucky enough, you have the choice to come on the microphone and make fun of it so you can help other people see that there is nothing within you that's fundamentally wrong when it comes to personality or energy level and medications or something. You need as little as possible in your life. It, it, I've always tried to avoid medication as much as I can. Now, part of that's my personality. Part of that has also been my experience with my body. And I've worked through injuries, and now I seem to injure myself about once a year, either lifting. Recently, um, it was at a, an American Ninja Warrior gym where I was trying to do what – these are like adult monkey bars. They have a huge gap between them, right? So imagine seven, eight-foot gap between the monkey bars. Well, I've seen your American Ninja Warrior stuff. Like, watching yeah, you can the see it show, on Facebook. It's a lot of fun, yeah. 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 And so I get in there, and my ego runs amok. And there's and my kids go to classes there, and there'll be 16, 17-year-old boys in there. And if you, if you put a 16- or a 17-year-old male next to me and you show me something he's doing, I have a burning desire inside of me to top that in some way, shape, or form. And that's just me trying to signal myself, you're not an old man yet. Keep moving, right? Keep moving. The challenge of that behavior is I don't have the ligaments, I don't have the bone structure, <laughs> I don't have the collagen, I'm not made of rubber. I once was. I'm not anymore. And so I damaged myself. Um, and I've, I'm kind of coming to peace with this, that if I'm going to continue to use my body in a way that I see fit, in the way that makes me feel youthful and gives me energy, sometimes I'm going to hurt myself. And in doing that, I'm not really interested in spending a lot of time in MRIs or I'm, I'm now nursing this injury, and I just got over that. I've just learned to kind of keep working it. And so this, this injury specifically. Um, I yeah, would, yeah, yeah, what did the doctors tell you? Well, I didn't go to the doctor. <laughs> Good uh, for you. I didn't go to the doctor. And I'm not, I'm not advocating some life that's free from doctors, but I pulled a muscle. I, I was shooting across one of those gaps. One arm stuck. The other, to- the other arm missed. And so all of my weight was basically hung between the bar and my shoulder. And whenever that happened, I, I pulled a muscle somewhere between my uh, – it was probably a couple muscles. I don't know. I didn't get it looked at. It was painful, though. It was one of those I've – had, I've had two of these injuries where I didn't know if I was going to have to go – I didn't know if an ambulance was going to have to be called. Uh, I didn't know. My kids were there. So, you know, when you, when you damage yourself in front of your kids, you're doing two things. You're doing damage control on yourself, but then you're also trying to keep your kids from going into a paranoid state over what just happened to daddy, right? Mm -hmm. And so when I hit the ground on this injury, I couldn't breathe. And so I knew my two youngest kids were watching me and cheering me on at that matter, and I couldn't breathe. And so I just kind of laid on the mat for a minute and just tried it. I'd been through this one other time. When I was deadlifting about two years ago, my back locked up. Smooth in the middle of a deadlift, and I didn't know what to do. So I, I let the weight drop, and I fell. I just kind of allowed myself to collapse over on my side. And then, I, and then you have these moments where you're like, okay, do I need to get an ambulance? Like, is it time to raise my hand for help? Or am I in the throes of this moment and I need to take inventory? And so I've just kind of learned that when you damage yourself in a physical activity, you take inventory. Take a breath. Yeah. Before you panic, let's figure out what will work and what won't work. And so in this moment at the Warrior Gym, I kind of rolled over and checked my arm, and I could still breathe. It was very limited range of motion at that point in time. And so I scraped myself up and just kind of sat down in a chair for a while. And what I've learned through this injury, um, and, and I didn't go to a doctor, but I do this thing called collecting medical opinion. And I do that around around the church that I attend. I, I will do that with any medical professional in or around my life. I will go to them for advice as if I was at a clinic. And yeah. I'll, I'll show them what I had. This particular injury, uh, I had some type of internal bleeding going on because no, there the bruise was, there was, was rough. It was a big bruise. Yeah, it was all over my arm and, and part of my lat. And so it was a hairy, it, it looked like something that needed to be looked at. But the first couple of nurses that I consulted with were like, well, let's just keep an eye on it. Let's just see where the, let's see where the bruise goes. And so that's what I did. I took about a week off from the gym. Then I got back in there with five pound weights and basically just started my own rehab process, which I've done now a couple times. And it's aggravating and it takes time, but slowly you start to see it heal itself. You start to see it come back. Now I'm about eight weeks removed from that incident. 
and I still don't have full power back in my arm, but I'm getting close. I'm probably at 65, 70%. And so I, I've, um, I've just found it, one, kind of empowering to rehabilitate yourself. Two, there's always a natural instinct to panic right at the beginning. It's frightening. Yeah, and, and you know I That like, pain, that's what it's for. Pain that's supposed to scare That's it. And you have these moments where you've not been before, and in this case, I didn't know what I'd done to myself. I didn't know I was going to be able to lift my arm again. I didn't know how bad it was. And, uh, you know, pull-ups are a big part of my life. That's that's my my number one your favorite games. activity. I like to get – I get horny for pull-ups. And so I've been without pull-ups now in my life for about eight weeks, and I've had to adapt. But um, Absence makes the heart grow fonder. It should. <laughs> well, right that now, next pull it's up, making the lats grow weaker. I don't want to, I'll I, tell I, you that. I don't know if I do or I don't want to be with you next time whenever you do get the pull-up day full straight. It's coming back. Because you're, you're, you're a pull-up beast, that's for sure. It's coming back. It's a. Um, it's how I pound my chest as a, as a grown male. I love I love pull-ups. So, well, you also need to love repairing. As you were speaking right there, <clears throat> I had a lot of hope coming to me because – I was thinking about the phrase, you're always growing or you're dying. And I believe that that's a whole lot of why we want to grab on to youth. Because you know whenever you're still in that phase, like you have no fear. That's definitely still growing. Still growing. You know, that's this is fine. I'm still growing. But you get to a stage where we're at now. Well, first off, I really don't want to get any bigger. At some point... As human beings, your hormones we do. don't want you to either. Yeah, it's yeah. time to it's stop convenient. growing. Yeah, you get big enough, but at that point, you know what's good to keep your body busy doing? Repairing. At any phase in your life, there always needs to be new growth going on in your body, and that is what I see is by growing, or you're dying. So think about that as you look at the human condition. What happens with people who continue using their body? Continue putting it into injury situations like yourself here flying across Superman monkey bars. A lot of people would say as an adult, don't do that. You're going to get hurt. Well, yes. Yes, I am. And I'm also going to repair myself. And perhaps at the end of that, I might even be better for it. What would it look like if we didn't start saying just because I'm not growing, I'm dying, but I'm not growing anymore. Now I'm improving. Now I'm repairing. I'm maintaining, and take that sort of mentality deep into a long life, and that's where I think I'm going to find myself dying young at a very old age. That's a cool thought. And I'm going to do it with as little medication and with as little visits to the doctor as possible, but I won't cut that out completely. There are plenty of reasons to go to the doctor, but yes. there are also plenty of reasons to correct your behavior. There's also plenty of reasons to ignore the doctor <laughs> and don't let them diagnose you with something that you know inside you isn't true. Yeah. Don't and, say- you, and there's a whole lot that we've got to take ownership when it comes to our children. Because like you said earlier, that child doesn't get to pick what get, pill gets put in their mouth. Yeah, and you, They have a guardian that has to do that for them. And I want to say right now, it's time we all took a real long, hard look at what pills we're putting into our own and into our children. There weren't a lot of medicines flowing through children when you and I were growing up. And, um, and now there seem to be. And what has changed? And, and for me, what has changed is, is we're just we're doing a lot of sitting. And we were born to move. And I think when you when you take the essence of a vehicle and what it was born to do, and you deny it that, you're going to have problems. And, and the medical industry will medicate those problems if you allow them to. It's a great source of revenue. You you just don't want to be somebody's bottom line because you you can't control your behavior. Um, and this is this has become a preachy podcast here, but uh, these are things we're living. Like these are options that we had. These are these are children that we're looking at going like, man, I wish I wish they would calm down a little bit. I wish they would sit still in class. You we're fighting all these these experiences that everybody else is. And we're trying to contemplate that through the lens of where we've been and what what has benefited our life. And being sedentary has never once given me benefit. No. Not once. Maybe, maybe in a school capacity. Because I was able to sit still and then regurgitate whatever they needed from me. But movement 
is uh, always been right near joy in my life. And that classroom activity, see, it can come once the movement's done. Where we've started running into problems where we've really started diagnosing our kid is when we've taken away their ability or we've taken away the, the ability to make it an easy choice to go be active. Right now, it's much easier choice for a kid to not be active. We are trying to give them things that set them down. We've eliminated recess from many grades. You don't see kids outside in neighborhoods anymore. Right. And we keep wanting to blame the kids. Yeah. Like, it's that eight-year-old's fault that, that they don't they want to have do the engagement outside. Room. Man, it's our fault. We're the adults. It is not the children. So before you put any sort of diagnosis or medication in your child, take a long, hard look at what you're doing to give that child the activity they need to burn off their youthful energy. And I'll bet you once that energy is appropriately burned off, they're more than willing to be in the right sort of learning environment. You might even have to mix movement in with the learning. But that's all on us as the adults to be the ones who, again, there's a phrase. Somebody has to be the adult here. Yeah. And we are failing as adults. Whenever you, we, you, when we neglect our responsibility to properly engage and develop our children, and from our failure with that, we turn to a medical profession to medicate. You didn't need it as a youth, and that's nobody the, needs it now. That's the thing I would think. Of, uh, that's the thing I think about. Do was I medicated as a youth? I don't recall it. Did I have a lot of energy? Yeah, I did. Uh, did that was that energy at times to my parents' detriment? Oh, absolutely. Oh, it was always a detriment to my absolutely. If I wasn't tearing something up, then I was not out of my bed. I mean, that that was a part of, of my existence, how I developed. It's it's who I became, uh, was a product of the energy that I had. I think any and every teacher that had to had to deal with me in a classroom for the amount of work they did to to get me through without trying to turn me over and get me diagnosed with some condition can you imagine? They, they really did have to put up with a lot with me some of them loved me some of them hated me <laughs> but i was going to bring some energy to whatever you had going in that class and if you had the right learning environment going i brought learning energy i did i was i was an energetic ball that could be utilized in one way shape or form and some teachers would use that energy and it i think enriched the class whenever you can engage that useful energy that's in the room but that teacher that can't handle it and tries to smash it all down they usually struggle and the kids in that class don't learn as well either oh. and it's not the kids fault because they move around too much it's the teacher's fault because they can't engage them can you imagine if they gave the sitting drugs to certain teachers <laughs> yeah if, if you could hand out a drug to a teacher, it's like, hey, just slide them this little white pill, and they will sit in that chair and listen to you. They may not listen to you in a conscious manner, right? But they're not going to get up and distract anybody else. W would you like a Would you like a bottle of these to hand out in your classes? Well, thank goodness teachers, we. Uh, thank there, goodness there would be the some teachers, teachers that would take it. <laughs> Heck yeah, without a doubt. Man, there'd be principals. There'd be whole school systems that are like, here, give this, this to the problem. children, but. That's not what's going to get our youth to the place they need to be. That's not what's going to help them learn, grow, and develop. It's not what's going to make them the generation that's better than, than the one before. And believe me, this generation will be better than us. We are better than the one before us, <laughs> and they continue to get better. Evidence of this can echo throughout the existence not, of yeah. man, and it will continue to do so. It's not a hard thing to see. So, so we'll get better even, even, as we, <laughs> even as we try to slow everybody down. There's still some reason for this, some some progress within this that is probably not apparent to you and I, but there's some purpose for why we are in this moment with all this energy, and it may just be that they need to get outside and burn some of the energy. It may need they have an, they need to have an adult show them how to do it. Let's bring pogo sticks back. Pogo sticks, jump recess, ropes, hacky sack. When was the last time you saw a kid jump rope? Oh, oh my goodness! Do they even? Yeah, they still sell them. I think. Yeah, in third world countries. Yeah, they're cable. They're leftover like coax cable that they strip out of. I think I saw one whatever of the thrift store well. the other day in the antique section. <laughs> All right, well, that's it. Just a reminder to call the thought line. We just had a great episode provided by the information that, that was uh, given to us by listeners of the show. Very helpful when we get your input. Yes, thanks for listening. Thanks for contributing. Can't wait for next one. Beware your grandma's bathroom. We would like to thank you for listening to the Feral Minds podcast. Hopefully we triggered some curiosity that will have you seeking more. 
Remember, your mind is meant to run. Slap some sneakers on that bad boy and take it around the block. If you'd like to connect with us or enlist our feral thoughts on a problem in your life, visit us on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, or at theferalminds.com. Also remember, our thought line is always available. 24-7, we don't even allow it to sleep. And we want to hear from you. That number is 866-340-3394. Again, that number is 866-340-3394. We look forward to hearing from you.